Ladies and gentlemen, hello. You're in for a treat today as we dive into the world of biblical parenting with the Walk Family Podcast. But before we get started, let me introduce the dynamic duo who makes this podcast possible. A teacher and a nurse by day and parents by night. Meet Tony and Laura Smith, two incredible parents who are here to guide us with their wisdom, humor, and a whole lot of heart. Thank you all so much for tuning into the Walk Family Podcast at thewalkfm.com, where you can find some great resources, testimonials, and stories. We encourage and guide parents of all walks of life to find purpose in parenting by taking footsteps of faith in their walk with Jesus. Hey, everybody. We are back. I am your host, Tony Smith, along with my wonderful wife, Laura. Hey, guys. And we are bringing you guys another episode in the Growing Godly Kids series. So, like Tony said, this is episode number three of our Growing Godly Kids series, and we're zoning in today on selfishness. As parents, maybe it's easy for us to recognize our kids' selfishness, but a lot of times us as adults struggle with it just as much. You might find yourself wanting to do what you want to do when you want to do it, or maybe you buy something frivolous that's outside of your budget, and you think, oh, just this once, it'll be fine. But there's so much me and I happening in just those two statements. Imagine if we as adults who struggle with our own selfishness, imagine how much more our kids struggle and we have more self-control that we learn as we grow, but teaching our kids to have self-control over their selfishness is huge. Yeah, I can. I think the, the hardest part about selfishness is simply being aware of it because when we are being selfish, sometimes we just do things out of habit or think we deserve something, and it can come across as selfish. Like, oh, I deserve to go get a triple cheeseburger from McDonald's every Friday because I go to work every day of the week, and I just really feel like I deserve a triple cheeseburger. Or I deserve to scroll on my phone this evening because I put my kids to bed, and it's the end of the day, and this is my me time, even though maybe your spouse is sitting there thinking, Oh, are you going to help me? Are we going to work together? You know, and just, it's not wrong to steal time for yourself in the evening, but um, being sensitive to the needs of others is really important too. It's important for us as parents and husbands and wives, but it's also important for our kids. Yeah, and we're not saying that triple cheeseburgers are bad or scrolling on your phone is bad. Taking time for yourself, I would argue, is needed Taking time for yourself and selfishness are not the same thing. There's a healthy boundary there, but we have to be aware of it. And so that's what we want to talk talk about is where is that boundary? And then, of course, how can we teach that to our kids? Because when adults struggle with selfishness, your kids are probably going to struggle with selfishness as well. So we're going to dive into God's word here. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now there's a lot in this verse that we'll unpack as we chat through today's podcast, but 
There's a couple things I just want to pick out before we continue. One, the Bible just straight out says, don't be selfish. That is really hard, but it it's possible. It just means that we put other people before ourselves. The next thing I want to grab is that it talks about being humble. Humility is a huge part of being selfless. When we humble ourselves, we might not get to do what we want when we want to, but also we see the needs of others in those situations too. Yeah, finding that, like I said, finding that balance, but we really need to look at what Jesus does here in terms of selfishness. Rather, I should say selflessness, because when you think of Jesus and how he lived his life, we would probably, if any of you have read the Bible, or at least parts of the New Testament, you would probably agree that, yeah, Jesus is a selfless person. Like, he came, lived, and died for others to pay the penalty for our sin, humanity's sin, doing the will of the Father. But you also have to understand, a lot of his ministry wasn't just limited to sharing about him or reaching people. He got away to spend time with God alone. That's that me time that we're talking about. It's when when you need time to recoup and regenerate and you just need some time to yourself. That's what Jesus did. Now, granted, what did he do? He wasn't scrolling on a phone, obviously, but he was praying with God in isolation by himself. He needed that rejuvenation from God, and we need that too. That, in a sense, is not selfish, right? We have a limited amount of energy in our batteries. We need to recharge those batteries, and God knows how to do that. Meeting with him recharges those spiritual batteries. Yeah, something, um, side note here, just started doing a weekly scripture memory group with some gals from our church, and if you are not memorizing scripture with other people, it is just really cool. Um, but the verse that I'm working on is Psalm 91, one, and it says, if you live in the shelter of the most high, you will find rest in the almighty. And I think what I love about that and what Tony just talked about, our rest doesn't come from scrolling on a phone and our rejuvenation doesn't come from a Big Mac or going for a run, those things might rejuvenate our souls, but really we find rest for our souls in God. Yeah, there's, there is a, there's a temporary element to rest, right? Yes. Scrolling on your phone, and I know we use this example a lot because it's so easy to do, and it's something that we struggle with. It's like, yeah, that's going to fill your bucket for about 20 minutes, and then that 20 minutes turns into two hours and all of a sudden it's like you're going to feel some regret regret or guilt or you're going to have your wife like get up on your case and be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, I'm right here. Hello. But ultimately, like, where do you find that rest and rejuvenation? It's from God's word. It's from prayer, communing with God. But the physical aspect is real too. Elijah was running away for his life, felt depressed because everybody was against him. He was, you know, basically trying to be killed by Jezebel, and he felt alone, isolated, and he just straight up crashed. Like, he was he was exhausted physically, and he took a nap. And I'm not saying that sleep alone is the solution, but our bodies are finite. They're limited. Rest is good. Sleep is good, and that's something that I struggle with because 
I feel like I'm on the go all the time. And if I couldn't sleep, I probably wouldn't, but I need to. And Lord, you do a good job of reminding me of that. Yeah, I rest is something that I really value, but I think it's also because I struggle with it. And I think I'm just one of those people that I see things that need to be done and I have to take care of them and I can't rest until things are done. But on the flip side, sometimes that turns into uh, a little bit of a drill sergeant in the house. Everybody needs to step it up. We got to clean this house. Spotless. Yeah. Everything needs to be spotless right now, like two seconds ago. It reminds me of the movie Annie where Mrs. Hannigan is like, we're going to clean these floors till they shine like the top of the Chrysler building. Great movie. But anyways, back to selfishness. If we are teaching our children to be holy just as God is holy, which is a command given in Leviticus 19.2, how do we encourage them to put their own wants and desires after others? We have to focus on what that looks like. Yeah, leading leading by example is the best way that we can do this. If describing selfishness to a child is very, very difficult because it's an abstract concept. And so how do they understand selfishness? Well, how, how do kids understand anything at an early age? You have to make it concrete. Usually something that is either kinesthetic or visual, something that they can see or something that they can do. And selfishness as a concept is best portrayed by modeling. And we are sinful creatures, and being selfish is very easy to model because we do it every single day. And kids pick up on those habits. And so how do we teach them? Well, we have to do the opposite. We have to intentionally show them what is what it's like to not be selfish. And one of the ways that you can do that is simply showing them how to put others above yourself. We uh, we really like the golden rule at our house. Matthew seventeen twelve says, "Do to others what you would like them to do to you." When we see things in action in our house, when there's fighting over a toy, or when somebody needs space and somebody's not giving space. We flip the we flip the coin on our kids and we say, how would you feel if they did that to you? And that really puts it in just perspective like, oh, man, if somebody took my favorite toy that I just got for my birthday, you know, that would probably make me sad too. So then we talk through that and kind of help them process, even though it's an abstract topic, just helping them work through what that looks like. Yeah, one thing that is popular in our house is one of the older children blames the other older child uh, that they are not sharing. Yeah. It's like, she's not sharing. She needs to share. Like, <laughs> when we navigate that, it's like, well, yeah, there's a there's a level where sharing is good. But also respecting the time when it's their time for a toy. Yeah, sharing doesn't necessarily mean you just give up something because the other person wants it. Right. Like it's that's feeding just, into selfishness for the other person. Right. There has to be a healthy balance between sharing appropriately, but also respecting your own boundaries that if these things belong to you, it's okay for you to play with the things that belong to you. But you as parents have to observe. We as parents. We as parents too. Yeah, we're parents too. 
have to observe in your own home and help your kids work through those situations. Yeah, and that goes back to modeling and practice. You have to show it. You have to explain it with them. And also, like our, our next point, applying the greatest two commandments, right? Jesus kind of like takes all Ten Commandments and summarizes them into two. It says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. This is found in Mark 13, verses 30 and 31, but it says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So is it possible to pursue our own selfish desires while loving God with all of our being and loving others as much as we love ourselves? And so you and I were talking about this just a little bit before, and we kind of, we didn't really disagree, but there are two sides to this conversation. Like, can you, or is it possible to pursue our selfish desires while loving God and others the same? I say big fat no, because I think that if our if we're pursuing selfish desires, then we're not necessarily pursuing God all the way. Like you can't, I don't think that you can pursue selfish things while you're loving God with all of your heart. Yeah, there. I think there is a level of understanding what selfishness is in order to answer that. Because when I was thinking of it, I'm like, well, what happens if I am so consumed with God that his desires become my desires and they're one and the same? Is that still selfish? Because when we think of selfishness, we think of sin, right? right. Well, having a desire that aligns with God's desire is no longer selfish. And so how do you determine if that is a non-selfish, godly desire or not? I think what it really comes down to in this situation is looking into God's word and searching his word for if this is true and of the Lord, and then also seeking godly counsel. I feel like if, especially if you're making big decisions and these are big desi- big desires you're pursuing, I think that seeking godly counsel is never a bad idea because uh, it's better to have two eyes searching in the word of God than just your own who might already be wrapped up in your own thoughts. Yeah, so let me let me kind of just throw out an example. And I guess all of you that are listening can kind of decide for yourself, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. So here's what I would say is a selfish desire, that you would spend an entire Saturday, watching college football, on the couch, eating chips and cheese, not acknowledging your family. Now, there's nothing wrong with watching college football. I like college football, but I would consider that selfish because you are putting college football games above somebody else, your spouse, your kids, or whoever. Now, I'm going to take the same example, but twist it to a potential godly desire. You spend every Saturday watching college football games, but now you have invited people over and are making an impact for Jesus with those people, family-related or not. Maybe it's a, a potluck that you have, or maybe your home is just simply open to your neighborhood and you're just inviting people in to not just watch college football games, but to have community, to build relationships, to impact people for the gospel. I think there's a difference there, but it's the same concept. 
I think the big difference there is the intentionality with others. Selfishness is about intentionality with our own self. But in in that circumstance, we're thinking about other people. We're thinking about others around us. How can we build community? How can we build relationship? Yeah, we're watching football, which is so fun. But also, we're doing stuff with others to draw them closer to the Lord and to build relationships where we can have gospel conversations with them. And this is this is such a great way to like utilize this tactic, not only for you as an adult, but with your kids as well. Like, let's say your kids are really passionate about something, a a skill or, you know, a, a hobby, you know, let's say it's just coloring. Well, instead of having your 10 year old be stuck in their room for eight hours on a Saturday coloring, what if that friend had a coloring party or a painting party and just invited people into their lives and, you know, find something that they have in common that they like to do, but it's, it's inclusion, right? You're including people and then you're getting to know them, especially if your kids are believers, right? How can that, how can you tweak what your kids do, you know, that natural interest that they have, how can you tweak it to make it more God-centered versus self-centered? Kids definitely do not know how to be selfless. They're selfish from infancy, and nobody has to teach them the words me or mine or I want that. Those things just happen naturally for a lot of kids. But one thing we can do as parents in situations where kids are displaying selfish attitudes is to help them express gratitude instead. I'm not saying, like, if you're at the grocery store and your kids are pointing, I want that, I want that. It's okay to just steer your grocery cart away. You don't have to buy all the things for your kid. But also, it's a great opportunity for them to start listing out things that they have that they're grateful for. Maybe you have them do a gratitude book where each morning you ask them, hey, tell me one thing that you're grateful for today. Or you have them write a thank you note to somebody or draw a thank you artwork Or teach them to give someone a compliment. Hey, sister, I really like the picture that you drew. You're a great artist. And it doesn't have to be lies. Say your sister is an awful artist. You know, you don't have to make your kids lie about those things. But on the flip side, just teaching them to give compliments and build up other people. Another opportunity to teach our kids selflessness is the area of sharing That could be sharing toys, sharing coloring utensils. Uh, They could be talking about our attitudes when we share. Um, You could say, is it, oh, when we share, is it with great complaining or are we teaching them to have a joyful spirit when they share with others? Yeah, and going back to like sharing and teaching, like you have to really explain these concepts to your kids. Like, and some of it will, will come naturally just by, you know, what you do in your house, but also like personality. But there is, there comes a time where your kids are going to want something or want to do something and they're going to cling to that at all costs. And it's like, I'm not going to let my brother or sister take this from me. I am not going to do what my mom and dad tell me to do because I am busy doing this over here because this is what I want to do. And then it becomes obviously a problem. But this is where we have to find that, find those those tactics or strategies. And a lot of it 
might just come down to simple conversation, but conversation, not just the words that you say, but the tone that you say. If you are trying to disciple or teach or even rebuke your kids out of anger and out of frustration, yeah, they might obey you out of fear, but that is also going to be temporary. They're not going to do it because they love you or because they respect you. They're just doing it because they don't want to get in trouble. Another thing about rebuking your kids, uh, really work on not being sarcastic with them. You want to talk to other people. This goes back to that golden rule. You want to talk to other people the way you want them to talk to you. So if you're talking to your child, you want to treat them with respect and um, treat them, give, give them the benefit of the doubt in their maturity instead of being sarcastic and degrading with them. Build, build those kids up and teach them of their worth, even from a young age. Out of the practical tips so far, right, the first one was expressing gratitude, teaching your kids to express gratitude. The second one is all on sharing and just navigating sharing toys or utensils or even like talking about the attitudes when you share. But another one that I thought was interesting is serving. How can we teach our kids to serve others, typically by like creating or making something? Something we love to do in our house is baking. And we don't bake, it's not like we bake all the time. So I don't want you guys to get the idea that our house is always overflowing with cookies and breads and crock pots full of soup. (laughs) But those things are fun. But um, really just taking time to bake with your kids is so good because you're spending time with them, you're loving on them, you're teaching them skills that they use for life. But also you pack up some of those muffins and take them next door to your neighbor and then you get to love on your neighbor too. And you just bring them joy in their day because it's probably going to be something unexpected. And you're teaching your kids to serve others. And on top of serving others like in the neighborhood, there's a way that you can teach them to serve each other and serve the home by chores. Yay! Because we love chores. We love chores. We love to we love slave our children to short. I'm just <laughs> we love a clean house. That's what it is. But something we just started doing um, was giving our girls a Saturday chore. And this is one thing. They have chores throughout the week that are like non-negotiable. You make your bed, you brush your teeth, you brush your hair. Those aren't really chores, but helping them navigate what are the things I need to do and need to be responsible for every day. But on Saturdays, we started giving them a chore of the day. And you can just pick something in your house that normally you would do, but that is age appropriate. And then we also started giving them a quarter for their hard work, which was a total win in their book. So there's some practical tips that you guys can use. Uh, we also want to just transition to real life with the Smiths. So like this is, this is what's going on in our home. And it really has to do with our toddler because she is a monster. She has learned the art of selfishness. Nobody had to teach her. She just throws herself on the floor, kicks her legs and says, no, no, no. (laughs) She is at an age where it's impossible to teach her selfishness because she can't comprehend it right now. So basically we just walk away. Yeah, there is a lot of power in just simply walking away from a tantrum because, I mean, there's no, yeah, there's just nothing you can do 
at this age, right? Making sure that she doesn't hurt herself. But yeah, when she flops on the floor because she couldn't climb up on the chair and we have to like pull her off the table because if she gets on a chair, she's going to go for the table. And it's like, we'll pick her up, set her on the floor and then she'll flop and scream and her body tenses and convulses. And it's like, all right, kid, like have fun for your 10 seconds of fame here. Yeah, that actually happened today at lunch. We were having a mango popsicle for dessert, which was so tasty, but I wouldn't give her the popsicle because the popsicle had started to climb up the popsicle stick and the the little wood stick was sticking out the top and she wanted it and I told her no. And so she's throwing herself around in her high chair and the whole family is just kind of watching and then one of her sisters starts to giggle and that that was that (laughs) like okay well we're moving on now and when you think about it like our older two like we've we've gone through the gauntlet of teaching and it's not something that you just teach them once or you teach them 50 times and they get it right it's an ongoing process it's a growing process and as they change their selfish desires change you know maybe it starts off with wanting a toy and next it's, oh, I just want time with somebody. And then it's like, oh, well, I want this because it makes me feel good. Like there are, as our kids change and as we change, the selfishness, the object of selfishness changes as well. It really takes constant reminders just to help kids learn these tools But we just want to encourage you not to get tired of taking the time to teach your kids. Even if you feel like you're stuck on repeat, it'll probably feel like you've you've said the same thing to your child all day long, every day for a week or two weeks or a couple years. And it, you know what? At the end, at the end of the day, maybe they took something out of it. Maybe it planted a seed that will start to grow tomorrow or the next day. You just don't know. But we just want to encourage you not to get tired of taking the time to teach your kids. Yeah, because it is. It is so difficult and it is exhausting and I know some of you out there that are listening it's like I've done this for decades and there's no fruit you just don't see the fruit and you're over it like we can understand that at least to an extent maybe not for decades but it's like there is a there's a level of exhaustion where you've done something so much for so long that you just want to kind of throw in the towel and throw your hands up And that's okay. Like, we encourage you to keep going, but we also understand that it's okay to feel like that because we are not perfect. We are sinful, limited human beings. And I want to say, and on top of understanding our limited ability to parent, it also points to somebody who is unlimited. And that's really the goal, right? It's it's to point our kids to God is to point our kids to Jesus because he's the one that is the good father. He is the ultimate father and his grace surpasses all things. And that's something that we can't do even for our own kids. As much as we want to do, as much as we try to be the ultimate parent, it's not going to happen And essentially that's good because if we were the perfect parent, then there would be no need for our kids to look to God. And so when we fall short, there is so much grace that God gives us in that and that it's going to be okay, 
right? He gives you your children for a reason, right? There is purpose behind that. And even if you are taking those itty bitty baby steps, those, you know, those footsteps of faith in the right direction, even if you don't see the fruit, even if you're exhausted in the midst of it, he shows up and he's going to show up in ways that you can't even comprehend. But it is, it is, is incredibly difficult. So we hear you, we understand, and we've been there. And now for our walking wisdom. One thing that we just really want to encourage you to try this week when situations arise between siblings, um, between you and your spouse, just take the time to ask, was this kind? Was this kind? Were the words that I said kind? Was my action kind? How would this have made me feel if they did this to me? Or ask your child, how would this have made you feel if they did this to you? Another great question uh, to ask yourself or your child what could I or what would you do differently next time and so that you don't have this problem again? It's so good to help the, to help our kids, to help us talk through these situations and troubleshoot them. We know that all humanity is selfish. It's part of our sin nature from birth. Kids will be selfishly out of control unless we teach them how to love God first and how to love others as much as we love ourselves. It's tiring, but it's totally worth the struggle. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Walk Family Podcast at thewalkfm.com, where you can find some great resources, testimonials, and stories of parents all over. We encourage and guide parents of all walks of life to find purpose in parenting by taking footsteps of faith in their walk with Jesus. If you enjoyed the show and want more, feel free to subscribe to automatically receive more content every Tuesday. You can connect with Laura and I at thewalkpodcastministries at gmail.com or on Twitter from the link in the description below.